Hello, brewery fanatics, and welcome back to another episode of Brewery Travels. I'm your host, Joel Geyer, otherwise known as Brewery Travels on social media. And today we are journeying out to the West Coast to a place near and dear to my heart. It is the general area where I was actually born and where I still have family living. So we are going to the Bay Area, kind of focusing in on San Francisco, Oakland, that whole part of the country. And as always, I have two amazing guests with me, Gail and Steve. And so, guys, why don't we kind of get the ball rolling first with just a brief introduction about what got you into beer and uh, how you're part of the beer community, Gail? Yeah, it's great to be on your show. Uh, we, we've we always liked beer and wine because we're in Northern California and there was beer and wine early on here. High quality was on uh, craft beer was not really uh, much thought about in other places. So it just was part of our regular environment. And, uh, you know, you get that sort of boiling frog thing where you don't quite even understand that something's happening. And then suddenly, uh, in our case, um, excuse us, we had to open a can there. Um, in our case, in 2002, we had um, a summer trip to Norway. And Norway also didn't really have a craft beer scene at the time. So we're there and we found ourselves really, really missing hoppy beers. And we didn't really, we hadn't really thought of ourselves as beer people per se. Mm-hmm. But we were, we were, we did these great things. We did a hike across the the highland wilderness area of the Hardanga Vitter Plateau, and and it was just astonishing. We had a beautiful trip, but we kept saying, "I'd kill for an IPA." <laughs> and so then we knew we were beer people. And we came back home. We figured we should start a, some kind of a, of a put together a website that would be useful for people traveling who were just jonesing for beer. Absolutely, and uh, Steve. Yeah, I. For some reason, even I grew up on the East Coast and um, all during my pre-college and college days when I started drinking beer, for some reason, I always started looking for a beer that tasted better than the last one that I had. And back then, there weren't a whole lot. There wasn't a lot of choice. I mean, it ranged from, you know, like Schmitz to Rolling Rock. (laughs) That was like the, the, you know, that was the continuum. Um, but I kept looking and kept looking. And and every once in a while, I'd find a German beer. Mm-hmm. It was odd for me because I'm not a food person or anything like that. But beer somehow got me. And then when I moved out to the West Coast, um, after a three-year stay in Wisconsin, I lived in Madison for a while, Um where I drank Lining Kugels and Point. They Absolutely. were our, our exciting beer back in the 70s there. <laughs> um, got out here and all of a sudden there was Anchor Steam. And mm-hmm. it was like, wow, there's a beer that really tastes different. And um, then it just kept growing and growing as more beers appeared uh, out on the West Coast. And it's been a happy journey since then. Absolutely. Well, I mean, so, so Steve, you know, talking about Anchor Brewing, it's probably the name most synonymous with beer in, in the Bay Area. You know, it was founded way back in 1896 and they make a lot of different styles, but the steam beer is what, what they are probably most famous for. So what does having a historic brand such as Anchor do for the kind of the local beer scene and have they kind of influenced the craft beer mo- craft beer movement anyway locally? Well, I think... It made a statement to a lot of people 
about what beer could taste like, that it didn't have to taste like industrial lager. And, and for a lot of people, it became a point of pride to drink Anchor beer, and they got used to the taste of a good beer, a beer with a really rich flavor. And it was born here. It was made here. People knew people who worked at the brewery, and people who worked there stayed there for a long time. Um, in the beer community, they were very, very well known for their hospitality. They threw great parties for beer industry people. Um, their tours that still go on uh, now are, are legitimately cool tours because it's a beautiful, beautiful brewery. And they have a great story to tell. And they train people very well to lead tours to tell the story. But the industry parties, they were legendary. And it was a place... <laughs> For all of the people from whether it was beer writers, beer makers, beer appreciators, um, anybody connected to the beer industry would be invited and would come and would see each other once a year. And it was great. And I yeah, that sounds awesome. Add, adding <laughs> on to that, I think in terms of the history of brewing, um, we all we all kind of we know that this was like the first place that something really different was going on. And it was an old brewery that was reimagined. They'd been around before. So it wasn't like somebody starting a brewery. That didn't happen yet. Mm -hmm. But when, um, when Fritz Maytag came in to Anchor, he, he did a bunch of things there. He brought back, um, besides figuring out what to do with steam, and you know, which was in terrible shape when he took over the brewery. It was, every batch was a little bit infected, and he had to clean it up. But he also, he also decided he wanted to find some other styles and he went he went on a trip to England to try beer to figure out what what, what had flavor and would be interesting. And so when he came back, um, they made um, porter and barley wine because those were the two styles that he was impressed with as having enough flavor. And uh, barley wine at that time was just it was really declining even in the UK and nobody was making barley wines in the US. Yeah. So I feel like in that sense, uh, that was a huge kickstart to some of the 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 styles that have really been part of our American scene. And he also was incredibly supportive of the home brewers at the time when it was homebrewing was illegal still. Mm -hmm. So he helped he helped in the movement to legalize homebrew. And we we all like to say, you know, Jimmy Carter signed the papers, but a lot of homebrewers and a few there really weren't very many brewers who were supportive of the idea. But but uh, Fritz from Anchor was and uh, they they got some legislators like the the senator from uh, Cranston Al Cranston Al Cranston from California who wrote the bill along with somebody from the East Coast I can't remember the name right off but they, a lot of people had to work hard before that got to the point that it was on the president's desk and Anchor was part of that story too absolutely and that that's really cool I love hearing the background on you know because a lot of these older historic breweries have obviously had in a, a variety of different influences on, on the local beer scene, depending on where they are located. So that's really cool to hear. And, and next, I, I would really love to hear more about beer by Bart. So Gail, can you kind of explain and walk me through how you started it and what kind of some of the biggest changes have been over the years to it as well? So let's see, I think it's about 2007 that we, yeah. so we, so like, uh, 
we we've been saying ah somebody needs to do a website for how to how to get around the bay area without driving and uh and get to some of these beer places and so we were taking bart which is our regional transit uh, sort of suburban commute train mm-hmm. for, um, not for commuting purposes but for for fun and uh we started to say like, I wonder how many places are within a one mile walk from a BART station. And then we thought, well, maybe we could just put up a guide and just suggest that people, you know, go out and do a field trip and here's, here's the stations, here's, here's the stations and here's the breweries and and beer bars near them. And the scene was not that robust at that time. So it wasn't too hard to put together, um, a list. <laughs> yeah, a little, little fewer options. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's kind of like, well, you know, God, there's good craft beer everywhere now. It's really hard to figure out, like, like if a if a restaurant should go on there or not, for example. But anyway, uh, it doesn't matter because it's up to us. So we just have our opinions. Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. But the reason this was useful was, uh, it's people still, you know, still get value out of taking a look at it when they're figuring out what they want to do. Um, it's it's a little bit different than trying to go on a list of breweries or even look at a map because you've got you've got it tied into transit and you can kind of figure that out. You don't have to look up each one using Google Maps or something. And when we did it, Google didn't have like walking maps or anything. And so we, we were really we took pride in going to each place, walking it. And then we could put things in like saying you can cut behind City Hall there, even though it's not a street. You know, it's like it was good. Yeah, no, I love that. And Steve, do you have anything to add in terms of kind of how uh, Beer by Bart has kind of, you know, started and how it developed over the course of the years, too? Well, uh, Gail is beginning to allude to it. Um, There are so many more places now that serve Mm -hmm. what we would consider a really nice craft beer list (laughs) that, you know, the, the list, our list would keep growing. And then we'd look at the bottom of it and say, you know, this one really doesn't belong anymore <laughs> because back in 2007, this was a great list. And now we look at it and it's really a fairly pedestrian list now. It's, you know, that kind of thing. The other thing that happened is uh, Lyft and Uber oh. kind of happened. And a lot of the generation of people who fancy craft beer don't ride transit anymore. Mm. They ride, they'd rather take a car. Mm -hmm. So that has, you know, in some ways decreased people's reliance on public transit, which is a shame. You know, um, I, I believe in the public good. I believe in things that are accessible to everyone, not just people who can afford to get around and that's been one of the one of the changes i think so you know where people are not as reliant on a on a site like ours as they may have once been mm-hmm. yeah, but i gotta say if you're if you're gonna come out to the bay area and you want to go a bit far afield um it really makes sense to take bart out and then take your other option if it's not walkable take your Lyft or your Uber from uh, one of these far-flung suburban stations and go to some little tucked away brewery or, or beer bar, mostly breweries on the list now. 
The other thing is we didn't mention is that that uh, having this site got us into writing and got us a gig with Celebrator Beer News and and a bunch of other freelancing and so forth. So that was the other thing that came out of the Beer by Bart site. Um, that was quite a lot of fun, and that's how we got to meet you through being beer journalists. Absolutely, no, and that that is an absolute pleasure. And yeah, I mean that that is really interesting to think about because yeah, as, as someone that spent time in the Bay Area. If, for people that are going to take Ubers, if you're going to try to get around too awful far, it's going to, you're going to rack up a pretty pricey bill very quickly. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's, it's not exactly the most driver friendly area in the country. That is for sure. It is um, not. It, it is. is not. Yeah. So, um, but kind of speaking of this greater area, I kind of alluded to at the beginning that we were going to kind of touch on, on some, you know, the overall Bay area. And so when you, when you look at the Bay area, do locals kind of consider the entire region to be part of kind of like one beer scene or kind of the different major cities, their own distinct beer scenes that just happen to be fairly close geographically? Well, I'm kind of in the middle of, of, of grappling with that right now. Uh, I, I'm uh, working right now on um, SF Beer Week, which is February 10th mm -hmm. through 19th. And I've been doing the media outreach and it's interesting looking to see um, the, the sort of wide swath that uh, the the Brewers Guild out of the Bay Area and the and the scene um, really kind of have this huge swath, and yet there are definitely sub communities within that, and places where people are are together. And we have a bunch of different cities and airports in in the Greater Bay Area. If you if you take it if you go as far up north as um, Santa Rosa and as far down south as Monterey, you've got a whole lot of little ecosystems and communities of all kinds, different radio stations, different everything. And so typically the brewers will know each other a little bit more and have a little bit of camaraderie amongst their locals. But I do think, but you do see, um, that's one of the things people love about Beer Week is that there is this sense that the people come together and they, they kind of come on in and they have a chance to do a collab with somebody who who's like 70 miles away <laughs> who they normally wouldn't do it with maybe. So yeah. it's, a, it's a, it's a fun thing. And um, it's hard to say with beer in some ways. I, I think of like for Sacramento really seems to me like a different beer ecosystem. And yet um, there's bars in the Bay area that, that specialize in bringing in Sacramento beers quite often. Um, there, you know, it's, there's people who now have their, their satellite tap rooms pretty far afield in California. So it's a, it's, it's a puzzle. It's both insular and not. Yeah. And I think part of where it kind of breaks down is in terms of like supporting each other and trading ingredients, which is a common thing that happens within breweries. I need this yeast for a pitch or I need, say anybody have any of this malt left over, that'll be very local. That'll be, you know, anybody within a very close geographic proximity. Whereas who wants to do a collab with us, that aligns more along we're friends with you or we admire the style of beer you make or we there's oh, some sure. other connection. So, you know, we'll travel the 70 or 80 miles to spend a day at your brewery kind of thing. <laughs> and we'll think about it. So I think you know, there's there's a couple of different ways that communities are are you know identified. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and then so like, and one thing that I noticed too when looking kind of the individual communities themselves, is in particular with you know the two main ones when you're talking Bay Area, San Francisco, and Oakland, uh, 
looking at kind of the brewery maps, I, it, I found it interesting that a good number of breweries are kind of around downtown and in the surrounding neighborhoods. Um, and there were a little bit fewer options in the kind of the further out neighborhoods, which I found to be kind of opposite in a lot of other major metro areas. So is, is there a reason for this? And does it maybe kind of provide a benefit to visitors and locals, kind of how we were discussing it in, in, earlier on in terms of, you know, walkability and also just no matter whether you're going by BART or by car, whatever the case is, it's still a little bit closer together maybe then? Uh, yeah, it kind of ties into something we were working on last spring. Um, we've a project, it's it's uh, it, it's at the going to the printer right now that we did a chapter for an academic textbook that's going to be so expensive, we're not even going to have a copy ourselves. But uh, <laughs> we did, we did a, a chapter about beer tourism. And so it was really fun to look into and uh, do a lot of uh, reading about academic research about beer uh -huh. tourism. I was surprised that there's lots of papers. I thought there might be a few. Uh, so it was pretty fascinating to review it. And some of the things they talked about is, is this, uh, this idea that a beer district really does gain traction by having uh, places that are, that are walkable from one to the other. Absolutely. And, and then also can be promoted collectively by the group of breweries. Mm -hmm. we, have a, we do have some of that here. We, we also, I've been thinking about this some, and I think um, there's some questions also about um, the real estate in a downtown area, if the downtown area has been in decline and then starts to gentrify again, it becomes a really kind of a, a good bargain for people to start their, their brewery or their satellite tap room. So I've, I feel like in some ways in the Bay Area, everything comes down to the price of real estate and everybody's just trying to figure out how to deal with it the best they can. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know that any particular brewery around here decided to be in a particular place because another one was there. Yeah. I don't know. I, and I, I can't say one way or another because I've never, it's an interesting question. I've never really asked anyone oh. that. Um, but as Gail was saying, there, there certainly is a benefit to a cluster because, you know, people can say, hey, we'll just go downtown. And we can spend a whole day there. And if it's too crowded here or we don't like the vibe or, you know, whatever, you know, we, we you know, they're out of the beer we want. You know, we can go here or we can do a great beer hop without, you know, having to walk around a lot or take a car or take a train. So Alameda has an amazing little beer community, <clears throat> Alameda Island. So that's actually between San Francisco and Oakland. And they've got Faction and then they've got almanac they've got uh, rake. the rake which is a which is a beer bar at admiral maltings which is doing traditional floor malting with with the uh, um, heritage varietal uh, barleys and wheats and so forth and then having people make beers with them and then they're selling them at their tap room there once they once some people worked with the with the malts uh, and humble sea is going to open near there soon too so it's really it's a really great uh walkable your destination now instead of being just this unknown suburb in the middle of the bay. <laughs> but you have to either drive or take a ferry to get there. Yeah. So the ferry ride's a great treat. Yeah, that is fun. Yeah. No, well, I mean, because I, I I noticed that when I was looking at the maps because I have been to, you know, a lot of different these beer quote unquote neighborhoods, you know, but a lot of times they're in like these former like industrial neighborhoods, right. like just off like away, like a little like off of downtown that were, you know, run down and real estate was very cheap 
big, large, empty buildings that were great for putting in breweries with drainage and all that kind of stuff. You know, I think, you know, the Rhino neighborhood in Denver, South Slope and Ashland, these right. kind of places. And it's not like the, a lot of the clusters in, in the Bay Area just seem to be in places that would not have fit that description necessarily that, you know, because as you guys talked about, you know, real estate in San Francisco in particular is not exactly the cheapest thing to come by. So it's interesting that a lot of the breweries have been able to find these homes and be successful still in the manner that they have, which is, it's really cool to see that it shows that, you know, people are finding support for it. So um, now moving on, I know Gail, you, you were talking about San Francisco beer week and, you know, there's also, you know, Bay area brew fest, uh, October fest. There's a lot of different events that occur throughout the year. So are there any that you tend to enjoy the most and how do they all kind of work together? I guess I could say also to, 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 to mm. showcase what the area has to offer for beer. Well, I, San Francisco Beer Week is like Christmas here. It's 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 uh, in fact I I I think for a lot of people like this the this the season begins or the beer year begins in the in early February. Um, it's just so many things go on. Everybody's got projects of every kind. It's uh um it's it's very spread out and it's really you get total FOMO. You just can't figure out which thing you're going to do what night. It's great. Everybody complains about it, and then they're just, and then they're like missing it and wanting it to happen again. But it's like it's it's too much. We love it. Um, but there's a couple of other really nice ones. Uh, the Brewing Network, which is an early beer podcast. Um, they they have the guy who started that has a beer bar out in Concord, and he does um, he does a festival out there. It used to be Winterfest, and now it's Springfest. And that's a really nice one. He he just really curates it well, and it's outdoors and and, and uh, just a really pleasant event. Um, and then you were just mentioning one of our favorite yeah. San Francisco specific ones. When one of my favorites is um, an annual San Francisco only brewing festival on the SS Jeremiah Heritage Ship. Oh, that sounds uh, cool. It's permanently docked down. At um, near Pier 39, uh, it's actually a Pier 45, um, <laughs> and the festival is actually held on the ship. In and it's just so cool. I mean, it's it's still a working ship, and occasionally they do take it out, but not very often. Well, it's a Liberty so, ship from World War II. So it's just <laughs> it's just it's just there, and and it's set up like brewer's stations all around the ship and you climb over pipes and fittings <laughs> and all kinds of boaty kind of stuff there. And, and the, the, they have volunteers there who will show you around and talk you through how the ship works and, you know, and take, take you all around and you drink beer and you're out on the Bay and you have this beautiful view of San Francisco Bay on one side in the city view on the other side, it is the quintessential San Francisco meets beer festival. It's, it's gorgeous. That's awesome. Well, and you said it's San Francisco specific, so it's only beers and brews from, from, yes. from the city of San Francisco then? Yes. Yeah. Very, very cool. Yeah. So, and, and to follow up though on San Francisco beer week, what other, what, what are all the different types and styles of events that, that, that are part of that whole week then Gail? Well, uh, there's a bunch of festivals within the festival. Um, uh, there used to be a gigantic opening um, opening night gala, which might return in the future. Uh, they the last two years didn't do it because of you know do we want a super spreader event or not, and having yeah. to 
six months ahead, you don't know what's going on. But it, it'll probably be back. But in the last two last year and this year, um, they replace it by these sort of regional kickoff events, and they've turned out to be really nice. That they're they're actually a really kind of a good scale. You could get around. Um, the one thing I missed from the really big one was that all of the new brewers in the greater Bay area would be there. And you could say, okay, I'm just going to go to the new breweries and meet the people, see what they're doing. It's their first, their first beers. Um, so we kind of lost out on that for two years. Um, but uh, it, then afterwards, there's all kinds of things. You'll have uh, uh, some of the, some of the things that I've enjoyed are really creative food events. There's a um, dim sum Chinese uh, food tasting with paired with beers that somebody's doing. That's pretty quintessential Bay Area. Yeah. Where, uh, because it always overlaps Valentine's Day, there are so many interesting variations on chocolate and beer. Mm, of course. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, quite the thing. And also really creative, uh, either romantic or anti-romantic events on the 14th every year. Well, both ends uh, of the spectrum. <laughs> exactly. It's uh, be because a, a really important festival called the um, the Double IPA Festival out of a little place called the Bistro in Hayward, which was the very first Double, I double IPA Festival anywhere back in the year 2000 when it was not a recognized style yet. Um, this, this festival's gone e on each time. And over the years, uh, Russian River started bringing in this extra interesting other beer, which people were, it was sort of a curiosity for a while. And then one year, uh, we all know what happened. Uh, it just exploded into the Pliny the Younger Mania. Yeah. And because that, that also overlaps with Beer Week, being as Beer Week was partly was put in this place, partly to uh, to to sync up with the, the Bistro's Double IPA uh, Festival. So, so that's gone on as, as well during the time. Um, because of that, people have really been very inventive about finding their other styles they want to highlight. Um, there's classes, there's, uh, there's, there's lots and lots of uh, uh, specific kinds of style tastings, you know, lambic night, let's bring out all the bottles and you know, all kinds of good stuff happens. Yeah, no, that sounds awesome. I, I always love to hear how the, how the different seeds kind of approach that. And as you kind of hinted at, there are definitely things that seem to be pretty precise to the Bay area itself uh, in San Francisco, um, as a city, which which I always love to hear. Uh, so my next question is one I always like to ask. This is a question that I ask for each city because I find it fun. Uh, I would like each of you to create a flight of four beers. To oh, represent. yep, oh. you each can get one. So oh. each of you can get four beers to represent the Bay Area beer oh, scene. Fun. Um, okay. Well, and this can yeah. be focusing on styles. It can just be your four favorite beers. It can focus on breweries. Whatever. It is a choose your own adventure. Okay. Let's do a draft. Yeah. <laughs> I've had people do that. Yeah. Go back and, and forth. Go, oh, we'll go back and forth. We'll okay. go back and forth. Yeah. We had picked one between us. So. Oh, well, no, perfect. That, <laughs> then, you guys get some bonus beers then. Because we, we had a hard time doing that. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm yeah. sure. So I, I'll start with one that, that was going to be in both of our lists. Uh, it's a beer that's important to us, a favorite, and also uh, one of the a kind of an untold story of American brewing. It's Death and Taxes out of Moonlight Brewing out of Santa Rosa. And Death and Taxes is a dark lager. Um, Brian Hunt, who makes the beer, describes it as a San Francisco style dark lager. It is not a Schwartz beer. 
it uh, it's really dark. It's got it's got some of these sort of um, roast grain characteristics that you might find in a stout, but then it's got some other kinds of, of really lovely characters, nothing chocolatey, nothing sweet, but beautiful, a beautiful mixture of dark grain and it's a lager. So it's, it, it drinks, it drinks light. It's, it's 5% and drinks kind of like iced coffee in the summer. It's a beautiful beer. And I've met people traveling in Europe who say, Oh, San Francisco, there's that dark beer from there. And I'm like, death and taxes. And they're like, yes, yes. So uh, it's got to be on the list. You're, you're up. Oh, boy. I was going to go dark. Let's see. Um, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with an obvious one. <laughs> um, just because you kind of have to, but it'll be a one and a one A. It's Russian River and it's Pliny the Elder mm-hmm. because it, it, it just exemplifies, I think, the, the, the perfect way to make this style of beer, where it is so well balanced. It's so beautifully done in terms of its hops and malt and bitterness. It, it's just, it's, it's a double IPA, which is, I just think, it's beautiful. The 1A, if you don't want to go that much alcohol, is Blind Pig, which is, you know, it's not really its little brother, but it is a, a pale ale, an IPA. It's an IPA that's um, also extraordinarily well balanced. It's uh, decidedly West Coast, uh, but um, I just think they still, I go back to it periodically. I don't drink it all the time, but every time I go back, I say, yeah, I haven't had it in a long time. I go, man, it's still great. <laughs> so I get that. You go. Okay, we we won't we won't tarry with the uh, Russian River and mention all the other styles that, that they make. There's that are also good. Oh, I um, love their supplication. Just to shout that. Oh out. my god! Oh god! Yeah. Consecration. Yeah, also. yeah I would go yeah. Both mm-hmm. of those guys, such beautiful beers. Actually, we're drinking. I go with their porter. We're drinking a really mm. interesting seasonal traditional beer that they make that that didn't become famous. <laughs> that pre. That, well, it's called Rejection, and um, because. Uh, Vinny at Russian River was making these these Belgian-styled beers that all ended in shun, you know, and he had like damnation for his golden strong, and you know, like we're t- you know we're saying supplication, it's just like a cherry sour. We've got all these other ones, and he said Tommy Arthur from Lost Abbey, or back in the day, it was probably from Port Brewing, gave him a call one day and said, "Hey, Vinny, I've got this idea for you. You should do a Valentine's Day beer, and it should be a." Uh, Belgian stout and you should call it rejection and Vinny thought that was hilarious and so he made it up and he did a beautiful job and it's it, it's a, a little known annual beer and I know I always like get it because I want to giggle um, and and yet when I taste it I'm just like there's so much going on it's got these beautiful dark malt flavors and then this nice little that kind of um, Belgian Abbey banana thing at the end it's beautiful Anyway, I just so. chimed in. I just okay, I make rejection my beer number two. Oh. <laughs> you I, are making. I already it. talked about it, so <laughs> I just, go. Hey, I said you, you got some bonus ones to throw in. Sorry, there, so bonus boy, boy, you just I just right was like, in. yeah, I talked a little too much about R and R now. <laughs> two R R beers. So we have two two dark beers and a light beer. I was gonna go. Let's see, I won't do the dark beer. Yeah, these guys. Do another one. Huh? Um, 
Yeah, I'll go, I'll go with um, um, Sante Adarius Cezanne Bernice, which is mm -hmm. just a beautiful, beautiful Cezanne. It, it's just um, it, it's just a perfect example of the American take on the style. Mixed it's, culture. It's 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 really really well done, extraordinarily drinkable. Um, just um, lots of different flavors, you know, just layers of flavor. It's just a great beer. So there you go. There's mine. Okay. You're now up I'm up. Um, I'm going to just uh, jump in a completely different direction and say, uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> All right. Oh, I know. I'm gonna I'm gonna go. I'm thinking about okay. We've got a lot of really nice hazies in the Bay Area now, and um, a lot of people who are doing really really nice ones. Um, I'm gonna do um, socks and sandals from Humble Sea. The first time I had it, I was like, oh, these guys figured out the style. And then I go back to it, and I'm like, I still like it. And there, a lot of people are doing beautiful examples and mixing it up and not trying to have a consistent brand and like every beer they make is a different name. So in some ways I'm impressed, um, besides the fact that, that it's, a, it's a nice beer, I'm impressed that they have actually dialed it in and make it again and again. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, while if we hadn't talked about Anchor before, I would go with Anchor Porter. Go for it. I'm not going to, <laughs> but I just yeah. snuck it in. I didn't say that. Um, I'm going to go with Hen House Oyster Stout. Um, it's mm -hmm. a style that is not frequently made. And when it is made, I have not particularly been that great of a fan of it. It's either been too salty or too, you know, just not very well balanced. They've got it down. They've been making it from the first day they were open. <laughs> and they continue to make it, and it continues to sell. And the last time we were up there, we were taking a local brewer, brand-new brewer in the Bay Area. We were taking him around to meet some of the local brewers uh, in his area. So we took him to Hen House. They had three different versions <laughs> of Oyster Stout. Because it was their anniversary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just said, what this, a weird beer. This is extraordinary yeah. that you, not, you know, nobody makes one. You guys have made three because they, they really, they, they like it and it shows in how well they make it. So, mm -hmm. okay. This you know, is, we a, have one more each. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Goodness. Okay. So let's see. Um, this is a little bit tough. I'm actually going to cheat a little bit and try to look up the name of this beer, but I'm, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you conceptually why I'm thinking of it. Um, we have a brewer who's now at Pacifica, just south of San Francisco on the foggy coast. And uh, Pacifica Brewing has a, a really good kitchen, a good chef, and now they have a really good brewer in his former in his former employment at uh, Social Kitchen, which is which is no more. Um, Kim Sturdivant made this uh, really beautiful English pale ale called Mr. Kite. And he didn't, when he left, he didn't have the name. He didn't own the name. But when I always go in there and I want, I'm like, I want Mr. Kite, whatever it's called now. So I, I apologize. It has a much, um, it's, 
as an English, more Englishy name, although there's what's more Englishy than the Beatles. It, this is a, a beautiful, drinkable, uh, smooth, just slightly hoppy beer. It it really falls, even though it's historical in a way to go back and, and be drinking an English pale ale, it, it falls really well into the sort of bitterness realm that I see people approaching with some of the new West Coast that they're like softer and they have really nice hop flavor. So it's a good one. Absolutely. All right, I'll go. My final one will be Cellar Maker, which is until very recently, a San Francisco brewery. Mm -hmm. They are now an Oakland-only brewery. They they moved across the bay and took over the site of the Rare Barrel. And plus, they're building their own gigantic brewery down in Jack London Square in Oakland. So they will be Oakland-only. But nonetheless... They're a fantastic brewery, and <laughs> and as much as I hate them for moving from San Francisco, and I'll never buy another one of their beers in San Francisco, um, Tiny Dankster uh, is a pale ale in, you know, in the mid-5% range, beautifully flavorful, um, just, again, you know, just very rich, um, got everything you want in a pale ale it's it's uh, it's a hazy um and uh, i just think it's it you know they they've they've been doing that since their inception you know and they're they're like a lot of new breweries you know they make 878 different <laughs> beers and you're lucky if you can find the same beer you drank yesterday there the next day uh tiny hangster been around and it's pretty consistent, so you should be able to find it when you visit them. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and so now that we've 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 mentioned a whole bunch of, of specific breweries, we can now look at look at some breweries and or some specific beers, and now we can look at some breweries here. Um, so each of you, as of with with the flights, you can each get three breweries, and these don't have to be what you would say is the best or your favorite, but whether we've already mentioned them because we have mentioned quite a few, or maybe we haven't gotten to them yet. Um, three breweries that you just want to give a shout out to for one reason or another. It can be for the beer, it can be for the tap room, it can be for the people, wh whatever criteria you want for, for your shout outs there. And if you want, you can do another draft to go back and forth again. <laughs> oh, sure, we're going. All right. So my number one, I'm going to just be totally self-centered here because we are lucky enough to live within walking distance of Bear Bottle Brewing. And they are uh, yes. really mm -hmm. nice San Francisco beers. They are one of the newfangled uh, mix it up breweries. And in fact, yep. it was really funny because we we're talking to them. Um, some competition was coming around and we're like, well, you, you got a gold medal for that hazy double IPA. Why don't you just enter it again? And they're like, well, we, we have a rule here that we don't brew the same thing more than once every six months. And we that metal was too recent. <laughs> we're like, what's that? What's wrong with you? Um, but they showed us they got uh, some metal with the uh, with their replacement beer too. So what the yeah. hell? Um, uh, they have a, a really, uh, really nice community center feel at their at their brew pub and uh, creative beers and and the brewers are friendly and want to talk about them. And they print the the, they print a homebrew scale recipe for the beer on every can they release. Oh, that's really, really cool. I didn't know that. 
Yeah, I really enjoyed them too. I, I had a coffee blonde there that I really, really liked when I visited. So <laughs> uh -huh. Definitely a favorite of mine as well. Yeah, we, we like them a lot. I'm going out to the East Bay, and I'm going to go out to Danville Brewing. It's mm -hmm. a suburb east of San Francisco, probably about 20, 25 miles east of San Francisco, maybe. Something like that. Something like that. As the crow flies. In a you know, little sleepy downtown you know, suburb. Um, and it's a restaurant. It's a brew pub. And he wins multiple awards every year. Matt Sager is the brewer. One of the nicest people you'll ever meet in the industry. And his, his partner, Sebastian, they brew terrific beers. The food is great. Um, it's a, you know, it's, it's, it's a very calm kind of suburban, you know, <laughs> place. It's, it's weird. It's not like you wouldn't think of it. It's not like a bunch of beer geeks pile in there and, and, you know, we're talking about their next IPO. It's, um, <laughs> it's the people who own the IPOs, actually, it's who are in there, but who are on the buildings that the IPOs are in. Um, the beers are terrific. And uh, for all different styles, he, he wins a lot for barley wine, which is mm, mm -hmm. my favorite styles. And, and uh, his granny's tipple has won multiple awards on the state and national level. And... Um, it's just a cool scene, and 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 they're just really, really, really nice people. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a a, a new one, um, not that new actually, 2020. Um, Wondrous out of Emeryville, which is right just across the bridge from San Francisco. You turn towards Berkeley along the Flatlands, and you're in the little little town of Emeryville. It's always like a little industrial area. And Emeryville finally got a brewery. It's called Wondrous and uh, started out with horizontal tanks and just gorgeous, beautiful lagers. Uh, also making nice IPAs, but, you know, because you got to pretty much. Um, and those are beautiful, too. But uh, he, he, those it's just a great place to go if you want to really see craft lager elevated. Um, and a congenial little outside space to hang out to. All right. I'm going to go over the other bridge now uh, <laughs> up to Marin to uh, San Rafael mm -hmm. to a little brewery called Pond Farm. And they're about three years old now, I guess. Three. I have to add two years for the pandemic. It might be so, five. <laughs> so it's like three or four years old now. Um, and they're on sort of the outskirts of downtown San Rafael. And they make absolutely wonderful beer, and it's a really cool scene. They won a gold medal in the IPA category their first year in business at the uh, GABF, and people just went, Ooh. what? Yeah. <laughs> Are you kidding me? No one had heard of them. Yeah. And, and it's a, you know, a young married couple who own it, and um, I just think, they, they just, uh, in every beer that I get a chance to taste of theirs, I think is really, really well done. And it's a fun place to hang out. They have a nice indoor and outdoor area. And it's it's cool. So is that, was that two? Have we done two yes. each? Yes. yes. <laughs> uh, so 
I'm gonna I'm gonna go for a place in downtown San Francisco that is not too well known. Uh, it is it's a funny little brewery in a hotel <laughs> called Bartlett Hall, and it is one of those just gems where you just you know if you would if you were going down there you'd be like oh this place is full of tourists and it's a nice enough a nice enough vibe of the of the hotel bar uh, and oh they've got a brewery in the back and yeah okay I guess I'll I guess I'll I'll risk it and order one <laughs> these beers are lovely they're amazing I I highly recommend it um, so so even though you've never heard of it put Bartlett Hall on your list when you go down to see downtown San Francisco you're going to see Union Square anyway and it's right there. Yeah, a lot of people stay around that area. <laughs> That's where a lot of hotels are. That's the place to go drink beer, um, especially What's since Thirsty Bear. <laughs> um, I just had it. What was I thinking? <laughs> oh, I'm going to have to go back across to Oakland. I'm going to have to go to Ghost Town. Oh, good point. Ghost Town, um, when they first opened, they're, they're in West Oakland. Um, a neighborhood that is rather bereft of, of beer until they moved in. There was one other brewery there that's been open and closed and back open again. Um, and they have stepped up their game to where they're one of the most beloved breweries in the town of Oakland in the Bay Area now. They make absolutely wonderful beers, different styles, but, you know, really known for their hazies and, and, uh, and they they have, you know they 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 have a shtick. They have a cool vibe. They have a, you know, a thing. It's a heavy metal bar, and and you know, music wise, and it's kind of a it's it's West Oakland. <laughs> it's it's really kind of a thing, and uh, they. But more important, most importantly, they make great beer. Absolutely, no, those those all sound great, and I've been to a couple. I've I've you know I I have a few other favorites too. You know in. Uh, I was a big fan. I stopped in uh, Rose's Taproom in Oakland. Oh, um, yeah. Interesting. You know Rose's. Okay. Yes, I do know yeah. Rose's. And it was one of the most, just a, a delightful little space Isn't inside. It? And just great <laughs> beers. Um, nice. Yeah, I know. We, we stepped there on the way to uh, the airport, actually, ironically. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was just, I, I their, their basic cream ale, I really enjoyed it. And I, I tried some other stuff, too. And it was just a fun little spot. Um, and then I'm, I'm also with, you know, talking about, I know we mentioned Santa Rosa quite a bit, uh, shady Oak up there, um, yeah. for some of their, for some yeah. of their sour stuff is, is, was, was very, very good. So, okay. um, wanted yeah. to give them, I'll, I'll, I'll throw a couple extra shout outs in there too. Then. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Oh my God. There's so many people we love. And we've yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, my it's, God. It's, it's, yeah, I, whenever I do these episodes, I'm always like, you know, we could, for a lot of these cities, we could just spend the entire time just listing all the breweries, you know, for yeah. the most part. And shouting out we're very lucky people. out here we're very yeah lucky. absolutely well i want to thank you both gail and steve so much for coming on this has been a true delight to talk to you guys uh and to kind of wrap things up here uh if you guys can kind of give any any final thoughts conclusions uh you know why people should check out the bay area for beer as well as shouting out you know where people can find your work and if there's any ways to contact you or anything if there's any follow-up questions at all uh, after the podcast yeah, uh, our our main website is still uh, beerbybart.com, and uh, I think I think in the I think there's a contact page on it. But if there's not, you can <laughs> just mail. You can, you well, we're we're 
we're infrequently <laughs> we're infrequently on Instagram, Beer by Bart. We are on Facebook, Beer by Bart. I'm kind of giving up on Twitter, Beer by Bart. But anyway, that's the best way to find us. Um, and I, I think in terms of why people might consider doing a beercation in the Bay Area, I think the best argument for it is the rest of what's in the Bay Area. It's such a beautiful place and there's so many things to do, whether you're a hiker or a musician or, uh, or you know, a biker or a, or a foodie. Yeah, or, or a bibliophile or heaven knows what. This is like an amazing place for smart people who care passionately about a lot of things. And some of them, it's beer. Absolutely. No, I, I can I can definitely vouch for that as well. And uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this. I can't wait till the next time I get out to the Bay Area at, at some point here. Uh, and for any new listeners, you can find me on Twitter at Brewery Travels on Instagram at brewery underscore travels, and then my website, thebrewerytravels.com, where you can find past articles I've written, all the past podcast episode links, interactive maps, all that kind of good stuff. And as always, remember, whether it's where you're visiting or where you're living, be sure to drink local everywhere. Cheers, everyone.